Well, good morning. I'm Stephen. I'm the pastor here. And um, if you have your Bibles, you can open them to Romans 4. Your Bibles, your phones. Um, the verses we're going to look at are also inside the bulletin. There's a place to take notes there as well. Uh, we're in a series called Stories That Define Us, recognizing that oftentimes our lives are interpreted uh, and almost dictated by the stories that we believe are true. And uh, one of the stories that defines so many of us is the, uh, is the story of karma, of karma. If something in your life goes wrong, you think you must have done something wrong, right? To deserve it, you think God must be punishing you. Uh, there's one place in the Bible where this comes out really poignantly by some people who haven't yet been taught by Jesus. It's John chapter 9, uh, verses 1 and 2. It says this, it says, as Jesus passed by, he saw a man who was blind from birth, and his disciples asked him the karma question. Rabbi, who sinned, this man or his parents, that he was born blind? Super clear, right? Guy's born blind, someone did something. Okay, either his parents did something and he's suffering for it, or God somehow knew that he was going to do something awful and so punished him before he did it. This was the story that defined reality for them. It's a story that defines reality for a lot of us both Christians and folks who aren't Christians, tend to think that something, you've done something, right? That you're being punished, um, that God must be mad at me. Uh, and we're tempted to define ourselves by that story that you get what you, you know, you reap what you sow, which in some ways works, but some ways it doesn't. And so we think that if God wasn't mad at us, listen to this, we think if God wasn't mad at us, then we wouldn't suffer, we think if God wasn't upset with us, then our lives would work out the way they're supposed to. And the Bible says, no, not necessarily. Abraham, the Bible says, lived a different kind of story. Abraham lived a story that was radically different and not according to karma. Abraham's life shows that the karma story is not God's story. And so the passage we're going to look at today shows us what we should expect from life by looking at the life of Abraham. Okay, Abraham had this life of faith. His faith in God shows us some surprising things about what we should expect in our lives. And so what we're going to see today is that faith in the Bible is a waiting faith. It's a faith that waits. It's a faith that calls for patience. Um, and so, we're going to look today at the normal life of waiting faith. Um, and first, the first thing we're going to see is that waiting faith is normal. Okay, if you want to write something down, write this down. Waiting faith is normal. It's not extraordinary. If you have to wait, you're not doing it wrong. Okay, Abraham had to wait decades for God's promises to come true in his life. He had to wait decades Let's look at Romans 4, verses 16 through 18. It says this, This is why it depends on faith, in order that the promise may rest on grace and be guaranteed to all of his offspring, this is Abraham, not only to the adherent of the law, but also to the one who shares the faith of Abraham, who is the father of us all. We looked at this before, so we're going to look at something a little bit different in these verses. But as it is written, verse 17, I have made you the father of many nations in the presence of the God in whom he believed, who gives life to the dead and calls into existence the things that do not exist. In hope he believed against hope 
that he should become the father of many nations. As he had been told, so shall your offspring be. And so God made these incredible promises to Abraham. He told him, you're going to be the heir, you're going to be the father of many nations, that you're going to have a family that's going to be so big and so extensive, your family is going to multiply and fill the earth. God's saying, I have a plan to renew everything on earth, to touch every person, every tribe, every family, to bring renewal and change and transformation and harmony and peace to every creature under heaven. And Abraham, I'm going to use your family to do it. How about that for a promise? Sign me up for that. But there was a problem. The problem was that Abraham had no children. He had no kids. But God promised Abraham that he would. And so Abraham believed God. God accepted him because of his faith. We'll look at that a little bit. And so God now is promising Abraham. Abraham trusts God's promise. He believes God's promise. So now everything's going to work out perfectly, right? Exactly, because that's what happens, right? You put your faith in Jesus and your whole life gets perfect. Can I get an, I couldn't even get an amen in here, right? Because I know your lives, you know my life. That's not how it works. Even though God's on Abraham's side, even though he made these great promises, so 10 years after God made these great promises, Abraham still doesn't have any children. So think about this. God says, I'm going to use your family I'm going to give you children that are going to be so numerous that you're going to fill up the entire earth. And you're like, cool, all right. And then you wait. And you're like, well, it's not quite the time of the month for this to so. Okay, wait a few weeks, right? And nothing happens, right? And then you wait a month and still nothing, there's nothing happening, right? You wait a year, two years. Think about this. It's 2027, and you still don't have any children. His wife, Sarah, gives up. In 2027, Sarah gives up. It's not really 2027, but you know, okay. Stay with me. Sarah gives up and says, look, my womb is clearly barren. I clearly cannot have children. It's part of our culture that if I can't have children, it's okay for you to have a child through one of my servants, and it'll be treated as your own, and God's promise will come clearly that way. But then God comes and tells Abraham, no, 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 no. Sarah, your wife, shall have you a son. And my covenant, my promise will go through him. So he just makes it clear. It's not going to be through a servant. It's going to be through Sarah. Fifteen more years pass. Okay, so it was ten. Now fifteen more so after God says, no, 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 it's going to be Sarah. You're going to have a son through Sarah. Year 11 comes and goes. Year 12 comes and goes. All the way through 25 years of waiting, of waiting, of wondering. And so Abraham, with all of his faith and all of his trust in God, Father Abraham, the one who was a friend of God, the one who walked with God, he had to wait 25 years before God's promise came true. Friends, the life of faith 
is a marathon and not a sprint. The road of faith is a waiting road. Normal faith is a waiting faith. For 25 years, Abraham waited. We need to hear this, don't we? Don't you need to hear this right now? Because some of you are in year eight. Some of you are in year 22. Some of you have been waiting even longer. And you're like, I could show Abraham a thing or two. And some of you are waiting for God to fix your life. There's so much that's out of your control. You feel like the deck of life is stacked against you and there is no way you can win. Some of you are waiting for a job. Others of you are waiting for a relationship. You're waiting for a spouse. Some of you are waiting for children. Some of you are waiting for a child to come back to Jesus. You need to hear that Abraham waited 25 years. And this is a man who walked with God. Some of you are waiting to be set free from an addiction or a sin pattern that no matter what you do, you just can't break free from it. And in this waiting, you begin to wonder if maybe God doesn't really love me anymore. Right? You wonder if maybe you've missed real Christianity that everybody else in this room has everything going well, at least better than you do. And so you're the only one who's having to wait. It's not true. It's not true at all. And this is why, this is why Paul's telling the story of Abraham. Because so many of us are defined by a story that God wouldn't make someone wait if he loves them. And the Bible's saying no. No. No, that's not it. Abraham waited 25 years for God's promise to come true, and so waiting faith is normal. It's normal for us. You might not like it. You might hate it, but with God, waiting is normal. You might not understand it, but with God, waiting is normal. Man, if you're 20 years old today, are you willing to wait until you're 45 to receive God's promise? If you're 40, are you willing to wait until you're 65 for God's promise to come true? I mean, this is the reality of Abraham's life. It's not just this, oh, the Bible talks about Abraham. No, no, this is a guy and his wife. They were desperately holding on to a promise, and God called them to wait. He called them to wait. He calls us to wait God's timing is not our timing, but we have to remember that God's timing is perfect. God knows what he's doing. God's promise to Abraham came true. His promises to you also will come true. And so waiting faith is normal. Uh, the second thing we see from the life of Abraham is that waiting faith actually challenges the impossible. Waiting faith challenges the impossible. It wasn't just that Abraham had to wait 25 years. Okay, but Abraham had to wait through the impossible. What do I mean by that? Well, when God promised him a child, Abraham was 75 years old. Sarah was 65. Good luck with that. Um, their child's name was Isaac. 
Anybody know what Isaac means? It means laughter, because that's what Sarah did when God promised. Um, and so the 25 years that they had to wait was in their old age. They were already shown to be barren. And so Abraham waited, again, from age 75 to 100. Sarah, from age 65 to age 90, for God's promises to come true. That's impossible. It doesn't happen. It can't happen, right? But look at verses 19 to 21. It says, he, Abraham, didn't weaken in faith when he considered his own body, which was as good as dead, since he was about 100 years old. Love that. The Bible's so earthy. Or when he considered the barrenness of Sarah's womb. No unbelief made him waver concerning the promise of God, but he grew strong in his faith and as he gave glory to God, fully convinced that God was able to do what he had promised. So Abraham's faith never wavered. He held on and he challenged the impossible. He held on to this promise that he had from God that he would have a son with Sarah. He refused to stop believing. Do you feel like you're waiting for something impossible? And like humanly speaking, it would be impossible for God's promise to come true. Well, guess what? (laughs) Most of God's promises for them to come true are impossible and can't happen if God doesn't do the work. And the normal life of waiting faith challenges the impossible. We have to be fully convinced that God is able to do what he had promised. Nothing's impossible for God. And I love this description. I love the fact that it says that no unbelief made Abraham waver. He grew strong in his faith. He was fully convinced. Because if you know the story of Abraham, these 25 years of waiting, Abraham repeatedly lied to keep himself alive and to keep his wife from getting abducted. Um, out of probably fear that the promise of God wouldn't come true. So Abraham lied to keep himself alive. Um, And at his wife's request, Abraham also had a child with one of her servants. Again, in an effort to make God's promises come true. Um, These are just like sort of the the high points of the sinful life of Abraham and Sarah. They were so far from perfect, and yet look at the way their faith is praised. I mean, in the midst of all of this, God sees Abraham's faith. And I'm going to tell you something about God. And this is one of those things that gets me out of bed, that gives me hope, that gives me strength and courage in the incredibly painful waiting in my life. And that's this, that to God, Abraham's faith was more important than his sins. Abraham's faith was more important than his sins. Abraham was not a perfect man. Sarah was not a perfect woman. They were not righteous in all of their ways. They were deeply flawed people that struggled. And yet their faith is described as never wavering. So for us today, have you blown it? Have you failed God? I have. 
can turn right now back to him. God will give you a fresh start. If you're already a Christian and you're a sinful Christian, welcome to the family. This church is full of people just like you. It's led by a person just like you. Um, God sees your heart. He knows you're trying. God has the ability, even when other people in our lives can't see this, God can see the desire and the intention of our heart even when we fail him. That's good news. It's really, really good news. And so, so God, God cares. He sees our hearts. Um, and if God can do it, and he's promised to do it, then there's no reason to doubt, and there's good reason to wait. Okay, if God can do it, and he's promised to do it, then there's no reason to doubt, and there's good reason to wait, to have a waiting faith. And if you're like me, you're thinking, well, what are we waiting for? <laughs> like, what's the reason? Right? God can do everything. He loves us. Why doesn't he just give us what we want? Why doesn't he just make his promises all come true for us right now? Well, the Bible gives us probably five or six strong answers to that question. This passage just gives us one, and it's this. It's the third point. It's that waiting faith makes us strong. Okay, waiting faith makes us strong. We need to look again at verses 20 and 21. It says again, No unbelief made him waver concerning the promise of God, but he grew strong in his faith as he gave glory to God. And so waiting faith made Abraham strong. You've heard these stories, right? These crazy stories of people, they're going through hell, but they hang on, and God finally comes through for them, right? You've heard stories like this. People in our church um, have stories like this that hopefully they're going to share next week even. I'll tell you about that in a sec. But these people, when God comes through, they're so blessed, and everyone who hears their story is encouraged and blessed. Well, Abraham would say, when God gave me the promise, I had no idea that I was 25 years out from it coming true. I had no idea, but let me tell you, it was worth it. Abraham would say it was worth it. If you wait for him, he will make you strong. That waiting faith makes you strong. God says, when you wait for me, it shows that you love me for me, not just for my promises. You love me more than anything else in the world, and that act of waiting faith is, it's like a muscle. And every time you have to wait, you exercise that faith and your faith gets stronger and stronger and stronger. And so this waiting faith makes us stronger. We're going to talk more about this. Um, but the fourth thing that I want you to see is that this waiting faith also makes us right with God. Okay, this waiting faith makes us right with God. Verse 22, it says, that is why his faith was counted to him as righteousness. And so this faith 
that when we trust God, when we believe that God is able to do what he's promised to do, that faith, God counts as righteousness. God accepts our faith in lieu of us living in a way that's worthy of his blessings. And it's great because God doesn't just accept our faith, he accepts us. It's a personal relationship. It's not just that God says, oh, you have faith, all right, let me cancel out your debt. No, no, no. It's that God opens his arms and embraces you into his family. He says, if you trust me, I am your God, I am your Father, and I'm with you. And so waiting faith is a genuine faith. I mean, anybody can say that they believe in God. Everybody does. Lots of people say they believe in God. Some people, 92% of people in this country say they believe in a God, right? Um, and yet waiting faith demonstrates that we actually really do trust God, that we have a personal relationship with him, that we're willing to wait for him to come through. Okay, and then fifth, waiting faith gives faith to others. Okay, this is exciting. Because look at verses 23 and 24. So verse 22 says, his faith was counted to him as righteousness. Verse 23, but the words it was counted to him were not written for his sake alone, but for ours also. It will be counted to us who believe in him who raised the, from the dead Jesus our Lord, who was delivered up for our trespasses and raised for our justification. So I love this because this is telling us that the Bible was written not just for Abraham's sake, but it was written for us. It was written for our sake because Abraham's faith gives us faith. When we hear about Abraham having to wait 25 years, some of you had the experience five minutes ago, 10 minutes ago, where you were thinking, oh, wait, okay. I'm just beginning the process of waiting. But God hasn't abandoned me. This is normal, actually. You've just, the Bible just normalized my experience and helped me to know that I'm not out of step with God, that God can still love me and ask me to wait at the same time. So Abraham's faith gives us faith. And the same thing actually happens through us to others. The same thing happens when we have waiting faith in our lives, we actually give faith to others. Um, what do I mean? Well, here's a quote. I would not know the deep love of Jesus if God hadn't taken everything away. A gal named Joyce, who's a hurricane victim, she lost everything. And this is what she says. I would not know the deep love of Jesus if God hadn't taken everything away. So here she is testifying to her faith. She is testifying that she trusts God in the middle of losing everything. And the result has been that she now knows the deep love of Jesus. And you hear that and you're like, oh yeah, I live for a lot of things that actually don't matter. And your faith grows. Your faith grows. And knowing that she's a hurricane survivor, again, it strengthens our faith. Um, there's a picture of some of the damage from the hurricane. Um, the description under this picture was that the clothing that was 
hung up in this tree along with the bed. Like these were flags that identified their owners as completely helpless when the world goes crazy. And just how desperate we are and how needy we are for help outside ourselves. I mean, the damage is devastating. Um, Ten years ago, there was another hurricane. Remember Hurricane Katrina? Hit Louisiana and Gulfport, Mississippi. And um, I traveled south with a team of people from the church I was a part of um, to help our denomination's home rebuilding efforts. And I was talking to a homeowner when we were rebuilding his house. And at one point as we were talking, he just said, where is God when something like this happens? And I said, if you want to know how God feels about all of this, look and see what his family is doing. His family is here rebuilding your home. You yourself told me that when you went to Home Depot this morning, the only cars that you saw in the Home Depot parking lot were the vans and the buses of churches. God is putting the world back together, one person at a time. And he was struck. He, could, he knew that God was with him right then, in that moment. And so our words and our actions show our waiting faith. And our words and actions can actually transform the eternity of someone else. The way that you live, your waiting faith, your trust in, in God through the impossible over the long haul, demonstrates the reality that God is alive in Jesus and he's alive in you. I mean, you are in the middle of your story. You may be in year one, you may be in year five, you may be in year 22, but God is telling this story through your life and he's trying to tell the story of a waiting faith. You're in process to become one of those amazing people who can say, I don't like my life. I hate the way things are. I hate the way that things have happened. I wish I hadn't contributed to it. But I'm holding on to God. I'm not going to let him go because I know he is going to come through for me. Every day that you have this waiting faith, your faith gets stronger. Every day that you trust God and hope in his promises, you give yourself a chance to tell someone else what God is doing in your life and how you're holding on to him, and you know his promises will come true. And the last question we have to ask is, how do you know? <laughs> right? How do you know God's going to come through? Well, this is our last point, number six that waiting faith is sure because of Jesus. Waiting faith is sure because of Jesus. Abraham had these incredible promises, this incredible covenant ceremony that he went through that we talked about weeks ago to strengthen him through those 25 years. Well, what do we have? We've got baptism. We've got 
a weekly ceremony that we get to rehearse the promises of God. We have a book. We have God's word, right? All these things are built into the life of faith so that we can be encouraged and strengthened. But what Paul says in these verses is that we have Jesus' death and resurrection, and that's the ground of all of it. Verse 25 says that Jesus was delivered up for our trespasses and raised for our justification. And so God did in Jesus the one thing that ensures that our waiting faith is not in vain. While we wait, our waiting faith is sure because Jesus died and rose again. The only thing that can separate us from God, from God is sin. Okay, that's it. Sin is us turning our back on God. Sin is us living apart from God. Sin is us leaving God's ways and doing things our own way. It's leaving God. Right? Sin is us living outside of our relationship with him. And in Jesus, God has dealt with our sins. Jesus was delivered up for our trespasses. God took on the punishment that our sins deserve so that our sin would be removed, that our sins would be forgiven. Jesus was delivered up for our transgressions. God has dealt with our sins. He took our sins upon himself on the cross, and then he was raised from the dead so that we would know that Jesus didn't die for himself but he died for us. He paid for our sins so that we would know we are forgiven and accepted. Do you realize what this means? This means that even before anything happens to you that would cause you to question God, God has already done the one thing that can move you to never question him. Before you were born, Jesus was delivered up for your trespasses and raised for your justification. Before anything in your life could happen that would cause you to question God, God did the one thing that can keep you from ever needing to question God. And no matter how long the wait is, God has already proven that he loves you. He's already demonstrated in a way that he could never, ever repeat if he tried. That he loves you and he loves you forever. Jesus was raised for your justification. Man. Just one last story from someone who came to grips for this in our church. She said this, she said, when my grandpa was dying, I was angry with God because his last three weeks especially were filled with suffering and agony. And I was so mad at God for making him go through that. But then I realized that Jesus' last hours were also filled with incredible agony. And in Jesus' suffering and death, I saw grandpa. In that moment, I knew that God understood what grandpa was going through. 
Jesus wasn't disconnected from grandpa. He was with him in his suffering, just as he himself had suffered. And in that moment, my faith grew to include that Jesus could be connected to our suffering. It still hurts. It always will. But there's a lot more peace in my heart. She said, it's comforting. No, that's not the right word. But it's an explanation I can live with. She said, I have a lot of peace since coming to Harbor City Church. There's this core of peace, even when the rest of my life isn't good. Even when I have to wait. When I walk into church, it feels like home. Friends, our waiting faith is blessed and sure when it is resting on the death and resurrection of Jesus. We all need to remember this. We all need to renew our trust in him and our waiting faith. Man, for those of you who aren't Christians, this is an invitation for you to trust and to join us in the assurance that God's promises will come true. And for those of you who are Christians, this won't be your first time, but for the 101st time, trust in Jesus again. Let's pray. Jesus, thank you. Thank you for meeting us and giving us your word. God, we wouldn't, we wouldn't conclude this. We'd just go running in doubt and in fear, convinced that you had thrown us away, if not for these truths, if not for the life of Abraham. And God, I thank you that in this church, we have men and women and children even, who have demonstrated a waiting faith that has built my own faith up and given me strength to persevere and helped to strengthen my faith so that I could grow. Jesus, draw near to each one of us so that we would know for sure that we're not alone. Lift up our hearts now and help us to worship you. We pray this in your name. Amen.